So anytime you step out in obedience and you take a big step of obedience, doing what God has put in your heart to do, you can count on it. You are going to be met with opposition. But today I want to talk to you about bold obedience. And remember how we've been defining the word boldness. That boldness is behavior born out of belief. Last week we talked about what we believe about God reflects how we pray or how we pray, should I say, reflects what we believe about God. That if we pray small prayers, then that reflects that we think we have a small God. If we don't pray, then that reflects that we don't believe in God or that we don't believe that God is a God who answers prayers. If we only pray self-centered prayers, then we think that God is just in it to please us, to serve us. And it doesn't take much to get offended when that's our attitude toward God because God doesn't do what we ask him to do or God doesn't do it the way that we ask him to do it. And then, you know, we can even tell in our language that we speak. I told you this last week. Uh, you know, we, we say things like when we've come through a circumstance or a situation and we've tried everything we could to resolve that, we, we say, well, I guess, you know, we've tried everything else. I guess all we can do now is pray. And what that reflects is you think God is a last resort, that when nothing else works, we go to God. Bold prayers. Now, before we get into talking about bold obedience this morning, let me just kind of uh, review a little bit more because it's going to lead up to what we're going to talk about this morning. And what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is that after the resurrection of Jesus, and after Jesus reaffirms Peter that he has been forgiven and that there is still a purpose, there's still a plan, there's still a call of God on his life, and then after the day of Pentecost, when Peter is baptized in the Holy Spirit, Peter and John and the other apostles, they become different people. And what used to intimidate Peter, the same people who used to intimidate him, now on the day of Pentecost, he stands before them and he preaches a powerful message. He looks at these people and says, you're a corrupt generation. And he said, what you need to do is you need to repent of your sins and be baptized and then you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that day, 3,000 people were born again and brought into the church. We go to Acts chapter 3 and we see Peter and John being bold as they're going to the temple. And they pass a gate called Beautiful and at that gate there is a man who has been crippled from his birth. For 40 years he's been crippled and Peter and John get bold with their prayers and they look at him and said, silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's bold praying right there. When somebody's never walked in their life and you look at them and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up on your feet and walk. And of course, he was healed. And it created such a stir in Jerusalem that the people went and told some of the religious leaders what had happened. And these religious leaders, they call in Peter and John. Don't just call them in. Actually, they have them arrested put into prison, and then they bring them out and they question them and said, by what authority and whose name was this miracle done? And Peter looked at him and said, it was done in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. And they couldn't deny that a miracle had taken place, so there was really nothing that they could do to punish Peter and John further other than just to tell them you've got to stop preaching in this name and you've got to stop preaching about this thing called the resurrection. 
Because those members of the Sanhedrin didn't believe in the resurrection of the body. For anybody, much less Jesus. He's dead. He's going to stay dead. He's going to always be dead. But they're out here preaching a message of resurrection that Jesus, the one that you crucified, is alive. And they couldn't deny that this man had been healed. I mean, the evidence is right there in front of them. This man that had been crippled for 40 years is now running and leaping and praising God. And so he releases Peter and John. They go back to the people of God. And as we read last week, they all come together and they begin to pray. And this is where we talked last week about those bold prayers that they prayed. First of all, they prayed that God would give them greater boldness. Now, in our culture today, somebody would have probably called them in and said, Listen, guys, it's your boldness that got you in trouble to begin with. You need to just quieten it down a little bit. You need to just lay low for a little while. But no, they prayed for greater boldness. And the Bible says that after they prayed, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And then a second thing that they prayed for in their bold prayers is they prayed for miracles. They prayed for signs and wonders. And God answered that prayer. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning in Acts chapter 5. Beginning at verse 12, because look at how God answers the prayer that they prayed for miracles, signs, and wonders. Verse 12 said that the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. But then notice what happens next in verse 13. No one else dared to join them. Oh yeah, they loved what was going on. They loved the boldness of Peter and John and the other apostles. But when it came time for them to come together publicly and identify with them, they were not there going to join with these guys because they had seen how they had been arrested. They had seen how they'd been persecuted and they didn't really want any of that. And so it says no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded. The apostles were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, look at this, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. This is powerful stuff. You talk about miracle signs and wonders. It's happening before their eyes. And then in verse 16, it says that crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And I want you to notice this next statement. And all, everybody say all. All, all of them, all of them, every single one of them were healed. Hey, listen, it's okay to pray that kind of a bold prayer. God, that when we show up on Sunday morning, that before we leave that house, that we have so encountered you and your presence that every person who was sick, every person who was bound, every person who was addicted, every single one of them have been saved and healed and delivered for the glory of God. Amen. That's what's happening here. So God has answered their bold prayer with signs and wonders and miracles. But then notice what happens. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. That same group that has already imprisoned them once and threatened them, <coughs> they're now filled with jealousy when they hear 
all of these miracles, signs, and wonders that's going on as a result of the ministry of these apostles. Now, there's three principles that I want you to take home with you today as it relates to our bold obedience. Three things that I think we need to be aware of when we decide that we are going to boldly obey God at any cost. And here's the first thing, bold obedience usually triggers opposition. Now listen, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Bold obedience usually triggers, I would say to you, the majority of the time. Bold obedience usually triggers opposition. And that's what happens to these apostles. Notice what they did out of their jealousy and their rage. It says that they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Now, if you're keeping track, this is the second time in a short period of time that these apostles have been put into jail. They are facing opposition as a direct result of their obedience to do what God has called them to do. Now, I know that flies in the face of our Christian culture today. I know that. Because we think that if we are being obedient to God and doing everything that God has asked us to do and commanded us to do, that if we are obeying Him, then we should be exempt from opposition. Like, Pastor, I shouldn't have got that speeding ticket coming to church this morning. Even though I was speeding, I should not have gotten that speeding ticket that I got coming to church this morning because I was just being obedient to God and trying to get to the house of God. I mean, I do, Pastor. I do show up, you know, once or twice a month, whether I need it or not. You know, I'm there. I did, I did, Pastor. I did help that old lady, you know, or, you know, that person who needed help. I helped them across the street this week. And, and, and so I should not be encountering any kind of an opposition, Pastor. I, I should be the one that has the smoking hot wife. And I should be the one that has the smoking hot husband who, who loves God and prays and reads their Bible. I, I should be the one that has the children, you know, who never get sick. I, I should be the one, you know, I, I've been obedient, God. I've, I'm, I'm trying to do what you've asked me to do. I should be the one to get an A on my test this week. And God, by all means... I've been obedient. I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. My team should go undefeated this year and win the national championship. Now, some of you Alabama fans don't have a problem with that. But we who win one about every 50 years, we do. (coughs) But here's what I have discovered. I have discovered that every time I have taken a significant step of obedience, that made an impact in the kingdom of God, that I was met with opposition. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. If you're not ready to face opposition as a result of your obedience to God, then you're not ready for ministry. You're not ready to be used by God. Because anytime you step out in obedience and you take a big step of obedience, doing what God has put in your heart to do, you can count on it. You are going to be met with opposition. I've seen it happen time after time after time in my own life. And here's the catcher. I know it's not over yet. Because I know that God has still put some things in my heart and God has still put some things in my spirit that when I step out in obedience to what God has asked me to do, there's going to be more opposition. But I've come to expect that. Because opposition usually, or obedience usually triggers opposition. But here's a second principle. 
that I want you to take home with you today, and that is that when you boldly obey, you will often release God's miracles. Oh, I'm going to preach. I heard somebody say preach. Whew. I'm going to preach. Yes, you, when you obey, you may encounter some opposition. But what will also happen is when you boldly obey, you will often release the miraculous. You will often release God's miracles. Look, look at what happens in this story. Verse 19 of Acts chapter 5 says, During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Remember, they had been imprisoned. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Now, now you got to remember, Luke is the one who is writing the book of Acts. And when I read this in verse 19, when I read this, I'm thinking, man, Luke, give us a little more emotion. You know, give us a little more feeling in this. I mean, don't just make a statement because I'm just going to be honest with you. If this had happened to me, this would not be my version of the story. My version of the story would be, you're not going to freaking believe this. Is it okay for me to say that word, Summerton? I hope so, because I just did. <coughs> you're not going to believe this. I mean, we've been locked up. We, we've been put in prison and... And in the middle of the night, an angel shows up, and I promise you this angel is every bit of nine, ten feet tall. This angel was huge, had this flowing garment, you know, and all kind of light emanating from it. And, and, and this angel didn't even have a key or anything, didn't have a key or anything, and he just opened the door. The door just opened. And, and then he, he led us out, and, and nobody ever even knew that we were gone. Even though there were guards and there were people everywhere, they never even saw this. I mean, man, my story would have been so much better than Luke's story to just say that an angel showed up, opened the door, and let him out. But here's what I believe with Luke. I believe that Luke has come to a place to where he has learned that when you obey God, you're not surprised when God shows up and does the miraculous. <laughs> Tommy, I thought about you, buddy, when I was... Working on this second point, when I was sitting at Green Top the other day and you walked in, you know, and, and yes, I went through the front door. Can you believe I went through the front door of Green Top? I did. Always going through the front door. And I had just, I think this was like on a, a, a Tuesday, and I had visited Tommy in the hospital on Friday. And I'm, I'm just telling you, Tommy Quinn, he looked rough. He looked sick. He had been sick. I mean, he had really had a difficult time physically. And so I went down on Friday, I, I visited with him and I prayed with him. And I believed God to touch him and I believed God to heal his body. A few days later, he comes walking in at Green Top and I look at him and I'm like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in the hospital sick. And here's what he said to me. He said, Pastor, don't you expect God to do what you ask him to do? Am I telling the truth, Tommy? Because you see, when you, when you have been obedient to God, you learn that when you're obedient to God, you're not surprised when God shows up and God does the miraculous. And if you want to open the door to the miraculous, then you've got to learn to be boldly obedient to what God is saying and what God is challenging you to do. 
because bold obedience releases the miraculous. Listen, I've seen this over and over again. God has told me to do things in the past. I promise you, I did not want to do it. And I've done things in the past that I didn't even know I had done until somebody came back later and told me I did it. I think I shared the story with you when we were in Ohio and, and, a, and a, we were preaching at Sandy Valley Church of God and this, this, this lady came up who had, had been a diabetic all her life. We prayed and I remember praying for her and all that stuff, but s- several years later I ran into her and she said, Pastor, Pastor Victor, I just want you to know I'm still healed. I'm still, I said, what are you talking about? She said, you remember that night at Sandy Valley Church of God when you called me out and brought me up to the front and you looked at me and said, go home and throw your insulin away. Don't ever take that medicine again. I said, no, I did not. (laughs) I did not tell you to do that. She said, yes, you did. You told me. You looked at me boldly and you said to me, don't you take another shot. You go home and you get that insulin and you throw it in the garbage and you go to the doctor tomorrow and the doctor's going to confirm that you have been healed. And she said, I went home, I took my insulin, I threw it in the garbage, I went to the doctor the next day, my blood levels were perfect and they've been perfect ever since. Bold. When you're bold, God releases the miraculous. I was preaching at another church in Ohio and a couple came to me who had just gone through a terrible tragedy of a miscarriage. They were devastated and the Holy Spirit put them on my heart. Now, now, if you can't handle what I'm about to say, then shut your ears. But I called them up front and I looked at them and I said, God said, go home tonight and get busy. Go home tonight and get busy because this night you are going to conceive and God's going to give you a child that's going to change this world. Several, a few years later, I run into them at one of our conventions. They came up to me and they said, Pastor Victor, we want you to know the night that you called us out, prayed for us, told us to go home and get busy, we obeyed you. We went home and we got busy. We got pregnant and said, look, here, we want you to meet our little three-year-old daughter. We named her Victoria. Because we wanted her to be reminded of the bold word of God that was spoken to her. I'm telling you that when you are obedient, you release the miraculous of God into that situation. So if God's speaking to you and telling you to do something, if God is speaking to you and telling you to talk to somebody, to, 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 to speak life into somebody, don't, don't be hesitant. Do. Do what God's telling you to do. And you'll release the miraculous into that situation. And here's the third principle, and that is that bold obedience always, always requires faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And bold obedience always requires faith. Look at what happens next in this story. After the angel comes and brings them out of prison, The angel then says to Peter and John, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Now, we would have probably understood if Peter and John would have looked at that angel and said, problem here. That's the reason why we've gotten arrested twice already. It's the reason why we've been in prison twice already. It's the reason why we've been threatened It's the reason why we've already been flogged one time, whipped, beaten one time, and sent home. And now you're telling us to go back and do what those who have the power and authority to kill us have told us not to do? And that's exactly what the angel of the Lord tells them. 
to go and do what those who had the power and authority to kill them told them not to do. What had imprisoned them before the angel says, go back to doing what you were called to do, what God anointed you to do. And it took faith. It took faith for them to take that kind of step of obedience. But then notice what happens in verse 21. After the angel tells them to do it, notice what it says. It says, at daybreak. Everybody say daybreak. Oh, come on. You can say it better than that. Daybreak. Daybreak. Notice, at daybreak, the moment the sun came up the next day, they did what God commanded them to do. In other words, they did not delay in their obedience because they understood that delayed obedience is disobedience. They were not partial in their obedience because they understood that partial obedience is disobedience. But they obeyed immediately and they obeyed completely. What the angel of the Lord, the messenger from the Lord had said to them at daybreak, the moment the sun came up, they said, it's time for us to go and do what God has called us to do. Do do what God has commanded us to do. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. But it took faith. That's where some of you are this morning. God is challenging you. God is calling you to something that you think is bigger and greater than you are, or you think is bigger and greater for what you are equipped to do. But God is saying this. God is saying that if you'll just step out by faith. Here's here's what some folks are saying this morning. They're saying, but God, I'll step out if you'll just give me some details so I don't have all this uncertainty about how things are going to pan out and whether I'm going to survive this or not. God, if you'll just give me some details. And you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to somebody here this morning? You can't handle the details. You can't handle the details. When God called me into ministry at about 16, 17 years old, if he had given me the details then of everything that I would have encountered between then and now, and let me tell you, there would have been some gory details, and I'd have probably said, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't for me. I don't think I've ever had the opportunity, and I'm going to do this quickly, to share with you something that God did for us when we were in Atlanta, Georgia. You know that after we were there for a few years, God spoke to me, and then God spoke to our church, that we were to relocate our facility. We were to relocate our whole ministry 17 miles further north in Atlanta. Now, I've shared a little bit of this, but I'm going to share a few things this morning that you don't know. But he said 17 miles further north. And and, and the only reason we knew 17 miles further north is because that was the only place where there was something available that we could move into. And so we knew that it was there that God had opened the door for us to go to up in the Duluth, Georgia area. Now, we, we were in a really nice facility there. We had just completely remodeled the facility that we were in. I didn't realize we were getting it ready for somebody else to purchase it and move into it or to lease it and move into it. But God knew it. God understood it. And I went to my board of elders and I said to them, guys, this is what I feel like the Lord has said. And every single one of them said, pastor, we've heard God say the same thing. We went before the church, 99.9% of the people voted and said, okay, it's time to relocate 17 miles further north. Everybody was pumped. Everybody was excited. But just because you got 99.9% of the people saying, yeah, we've heard God and we want to walk in obedience with you, pastor, doesn't mean that all of them are going to make it through the process. 
and many of them didn't. This was in about 2007, 8, 9, somewhere in that, that, that area. It's when the, the economy tanked, the housing market tanked. People started losing their jobs, and here we are. We've moved out of our facility, and we're having church in an elementary school cafeteria. Now, you move, you move folks out of a very nice facility similar to what you have here that has been recently renovated, and you move them into a, an elementary school cafeteria where twice every Sunday you're having to set up and you're having to tear down. You set up, you load your truck, you, you load your truck, you unload it, you set up, and then after service you tear everything down, you load the truck. We did that for two years, one year in an elementary school cafeteria, another year at Peachtree Ridge High School. Two years. And let me tell you, we started with about 325 to 350 people. When we moved into the high school, we grew from 350 to 200 people. Our tithe that was averaging 50 to $60,000 a month were months when we had $12,000 coming in. I'm going to tell you, sometimes the opposition is not without. Sometimes the opposition is within because I began to doubt myself. I began to doubt whether I'd heard from God or not because I just assumed if, I'm, if, if God's the one that said to do this and we're being obedient, then there shouldn't be this kind of opposition. But we began to lose people. We began to lose finances. And the Lord spoke to me one day, and he gave me a word from our church, for, for, for our church. And it was from the book of Habakkuk. And he told me to tell my people, don't get stuck on the wrong side of yet. Because on this side of yet, it looks like the fig trees are not producing any figs and the grapevines are not producing any grapes. And there's no cattle in the stalls. Everything that could go wrong could go wrong. But then Habakkuk said, yet, I'll get over here on this side. I will rejoice in the Lord who makes my feet like hinds feet, who gives me the strength to scale every mountain that I face. And I said, we're not going to get stuck over here where it looks like everything's drying up and everything's dying, but we're going to live on this side of yet. We're going to live on the faith side of yet. We're going to live on the God side of yet. And I preached that word to them that day and I reassured them that we had heard from God because some of them were getting discouraged. And it was that same week that we heard that a facility had come open in Duluth, Georgia that we could possibly lease and move into. I sat down with the gentleman who owned that facility and I said to him, we need a place and we need a place quickly. He said, well, it's open. He said, all you gotta do is give me $15,000 a month and you can move in. I didn't have $15,000 a month. We had a facility back down at Pleasantdale that we'd been trying to lease or sell and we had not gotten any interest in it whatsoever. No church would lease it, no church would buy it because the economy was so bad. We felt stuck. But I negotiated with him and I said, listen, we might could do 12-5. Now there, there had been another church in this facility that had been very successful, but they got into some issues, into bankruptcy, the sheriff's department came in on a Sunday morning, locked everything up, looked at the pastor and said, you're not to take anything with you today. This, everything in here belongs to this landlord now. And you guys are to get your stuff and you're to get out. You can't come back in because you're not paying your bills. You're $450,000 behind on your rent. And so all of this stuff was left in the building. And I looked at that landlord, hundreds of thousands of dollars, listen to me, of equipment that we needed to be able 
to move our location into that facility. And I looked at him and I said, listen, we'll sign a lease with you at $12,500 a month, but here's the catch. You got to give me everything in that building. I said, because that's kingdom stuff. That's God's stuff. And you're not to take that stuff and sell it to somebody that's not going to use it for the glory of God. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. You sign a three-year lease, you honor that lease. At the end of that lease, he said, everything in this building becomes yours for one dollar. Which we did, and it became ours, and then he didn't charge me the dollar. <laughs> but I remember the day, listen to me. I get emotional. But I remember the day that I sat down with that landlord, and I told him, I said... I want you to know that this is an act of obedience. I'm doing this because God has told me to do this. Our elders, we're doing this because we know that God has spoken to us and told us to do this. That we're going to sign this lease in faith, believing that God is going to provide. And I signed that lease, and I kid you not, it wasn't an hour later that our realtor called us and said, you're not going to believe this, but there's a church that's been meeting down near your area where your old building is. And they walked in today and found out that their building had been sold and they don't have anywhere to meet anymore. They need a place to meet. And he said, they're willing to pay you, get this. And we were debt free down there. So everything we got, we were gonna be able to use for profit and income. He said, they're willing to pay you $12,500 every month to move into your building. So you know what God just did as a result of our bold obedience? God gave us a brand new facility absolutely free with hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment inside that building. Don't you tell me for a minute that God does not honor bold obedience. I've come too far to not understand that God is a God who honors those that'll have faith in him. Now listen, if I would have said, God, I need all the details before I'm going to leave this place. I need all the details. Now, now let me tell you this. Over the next two years, we had, we had gone down to 200 people. We moved into that building. Over the next two years, we grew by 550 people in that sanctuary. We had to go to three services in that building because the, 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 the sanctuary couldn't accommodate all the people that were coming. I'm telling you folks, when you are when you don't have to have the details. You see, you got to understand that when God calls you to do something, sometimes there's going to be a whole lot of uncertainty. But if everything was certain, if you had all the details, you wouldn't need faith. And it's impossible to please God without faith. And why do I say that? Because I believe right here in this place, God has the miraculous plan for us. God has the supernatural plan for us. God has blessings planned for us. I believe that with all of our heart, all of my heart. But here's what I believe. I believe that when God speaks, we've got to be obedient and we've got to move quickly. Not partial obedience, not delayed obedience, but when God speaks, we got to be on top of it, man. And we ain't got to sit back and say, well, we need the details and all this. No, God says, you just step out by faith. I'll honor your faith. Yes, use wisdom. Yes, plan as much as you can, but don't allow the lack of details and the uncertainty paralyze you. You step out in faith knowing that you serve a great, big, awesome God who can can do anything. Amen. I'm about to get pumped up up here this morning. I need somebody to help me praise God. Oh, he's been so good. He has been so faithful. Hallelujah. <laughs> Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Story's not over. Look at verse 28. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. The Sanhedrin said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. 
in spite of our threats, in spite of us flogging you, in spite of everything, you keep filling Jerusalem with your teaching about Jesus and his resurrection. And now listen to the response. Peter says, and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. I told you the first day I came here as your pastor that I fear God much more than I fear man. And I will never allow the opposition and the opinions of men or women or human beings to stop me from doing what I know God has spoken to me to do. We want you to come and join us here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some amazing and miraculous things and we want you and your family to be a part of that. We are eliminating the darkness in this community by being light.